Easy World, what's up world, this is your man Ant Boogie Don't worry about the name, get used to the voice And it is another episode of Keeping the Towel And man, we are back at it again And I am here all at this with you We're actually in the sparring gym, man So this is where we are once again We're doing the Why I Kept My Towel series Father's Day edition Where I'm getting a chance to vibe with some fathers And they're going to tell you about some incredible stories from their lives And also the journey of fatherhood And I got an incredible guest, another incredible Incredible guest with me, folks. This brother I've known for a minute, multifaceted. That's all I'm gonna tell you. Very multifaceted. This brother sings, he acts, he does logo work, he does a lot of incredible work on the side, and you're gonna be able to hear all about this. I'm gonna let my guest go ahead and let you know who he is, brother. Let the world know. What's up, world? This is Dap Paxton. Um, glad to be here, man. Sir. Glad yes, to be sir. here um, to contribute to this series and, you know, just to chop it up with you, man. You know, we, we go back. We go back. <laughs> we go, go back, back. man. But I, I, will I will correct you on one thing. I don't sing. Well, in the shower. I sing ah. in the shower. <laughs> All right. So in the dressing room when we used to act together, we used to, we used to be on the stage. In the dressing room, this brother want to go ahead and blow notes and everything. I'm like, huh, okay. Gotcha. I don't want nobody like you know hit me up like that. Right. Saying something for me, and I'm like, oh right. man, here we go. <laughs> Aunt Boogie, here we go. All right. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dewan Paxson, aka Dap. My man is so incredible, man, brother. Thank you so much for coming through, man. Man, it's an honor, brother. Um, you know, you're you're a phenomenal person, human being. Period. And just to be, you know, um, just in in a room. With somebody of your caliber, bro. I mean, I'm telling you, because we have been on stage together, yeah. and I've seen, I've seen you work. Um, I've seen your character as a human being, as a as a man, and man, just you know, it's admirable. That's so true, yeah, thank you, thank you, and um, I will give you that fifty dollars. Done. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yes. Homie. Um. Yeah. Get some so, gas. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. We're, what are we doing right now? So yeah, you're gonna get that fifty dollars back from me. So um, yeah, put that on a Google review. Yo, folks, we here back again, man. As I said, we're not in the ring. We're in we're in the gym where we're warming up these muscles about fatherhood. And as I've said before, folks, that yes, Mother's Day is always getting the love, as we know. Of course, it's moms, but the dads don't get highlighted. They don't get the love. They don't get the look as much. But I'm going to make sure we get that here today. And this is one incredible father that I can definitely vouch for. He dotes on his little one. Well, not so little not one anymore. So little. But um, he dotes on him. We're going to go into from beginning and coming into the present. So, folks, buckle up. And here's what I need you all to do, man. Put in your mouthpiece. Get on your headgear. Get on those gloves. Because for you as fathers out there, get ready. Because we're going to go ahead and get into this training session. So let's get into it, shall we? All right, well, so Mr. Paxson, put us on, man. So give us a little history about yourself. Oh, man, me. Uh, originally from Flint, Michigan. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Flint, Flint, Michigan, man. Three, one, three. Uh, you know, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was so young when I moved. Uh, I, was, I was seven. When we, we moved down here to Atlanta. So, but I spent all my summers between Flint and Harvey, Illinois. Um, so I, I kept my roots, you know, uh, with me. You know, my mom made sure that I knew and remember where I came from. And so that's where I would spend my summers, man. My cousins, my aunts, you know, all my family. I have a lot of family still up there. So, yeah, Flint, Michigan, moved down to Atlanta. Uh, was always interested in, in the arts, even at a young age, um, but I, I broke in um, with music. So not singing, but uh, <laughs> but I, I started playing sax, saxophone. My uncle, uh, he used to tour with Up With People. And uh, if you're not familiar with Up With People, they would go, they were kind of like a, uh, a talent diplomat group. You know, so they would travel to all these countries and they would perform for, for anyone who, was there to listen and so um you know he inspired me to to become a performer and i just wanted to be like him and uh you know all the most of the people in my family were talented played some kind of instrument sang danced comedians you know you name it uh and he had all the talents all of them <laughs> you know all of them still does as a matter of fact still does 
And so um, he got me my first alto sax. I was eight. And he taught me how to play by ear. And I'll never forget, you know, we were in my bedroom in Decatur, Georgia, Ridgewood Apartments, right on it, right off of Covington Highway, uh, Covington and um, in, in Memorial. So, um, yeah, man, grew up in the church. Um, interestingly enough, you know, my father, uh, he wasn't around when I was growing up, you know, so single parent home, you know, a uh, single mother, um, in a new city, not a whole lot of people, right. you know, in, that we knew, uh, no family was here. So this was whew, 87, 87. Ooh, boy. So 87, oh, man, you bring back memories. We moved down here. We actually moved to uh, Smyrna, Georgia, first in 87. Now, for those of you who just moved down to, <laughs> to Atlanta, and, you know, it's like the new chocolate city. You know what I'm saying? The now, black Mecca. Now. Uh, yeah. In 87, that wasn't the case. I was fighting every day. <laughs> I was fighting white boys, you know, little white kids every day, man. Every single day. And uh, it got to the point where we had to move from Smyrna to, uh, to Decatur um, because of that. Because it, it just got out of control. Um so you was the looked at as the oh my god he's the trouble black guy the black kid uh yeah the little nigga yeah. you know yeah. yeah yeah I was getting called that every day you know and, and having a fight and coming from Flint nah, nah, <laughs> yo we nah. were we were having that shouts out shouts <laughs> out right there yeah yo yeah. we we were not having that man so I was fighting every day and I got into a lot of trouble but um you know we we moved to Decatur it was a lot better in Decatur. Midway Elementary has some great teachers there, you know, really good teachers there. So, I mean, you, you I don't know how far back you wanted me to go. You hey, said at the hey, beginning. So, yeah, that's that's when I really got into music. Um, it's when I really got into performing, you know, that school and the administration there. Um, they were very supportive of, of children with creative, you know, creativity who wanted to express themselves creatively. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I jumped right in um, and, and moved up. So fast forward, end up at uh, Southwest DeKalb High School by way of Lithonia High School because yeah, I transferred and uh, it was in the marching band. So this is mid-late 90s. And at the time, Southwest Cab was like one of the top marching bands in the Southeast, really. And so I was very fortunate to be a part of that program. We got to travel all over the world and perform 96 Olympics opening ceremony we performed we went over to France did some stuff there New York I mean just all over the place man it was, it was a great opportunity um and so I cut my teeth in performing in front of large audiences and uh it was just in me to do that um college same thing Tennessee State big blue baby <laughs> go big blue so, uh, yeah, TSU, man, did me right. I was in the music program, music major. Um, and then I changed my major from music to uh, to electrical engineering. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you learn things, man. Um, TSU, well, college period is a place where you just grow up. You become an yeah. adult. Yes. And, uh, you know, there are certain experiences that, that just leave an impression on, on you and you learn this was a hard lesson for me because I was listening to other people tell me what I should do with my life. (laughs) And I was, uh, I was excelling in music at TSU. Um, but I decided that, you know, electrical engineering was a little more stable. Um, I was good at math. So I thought, you know, I was good at basic math. <laughs> no calculus. Oh, man. No bro. quantum physics math. Man, I got I got into electrical engineering department and half the professors didn't speak English and they were speaking, <laughs> you know, they were teaching like these complex, you know, just algorithms and trigonometry and all this stuff. And I'm like, you speak in two languages that I don't understand. And, you know, um, I I just didn't have... That wasn't for me. And so my, my GPA plummeted, brother. Mm. I went from All-American 
you know, like the National Honor Society to like barely in school. They were about to put so me you're out. Looking at probation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It one semester. <laughs> so then I switched back. I switched over um, again. I switched. I switched to uh, business, a uh, marketing, and so I studied marketing and I got a degree in marketing. I finished up um, there, but in, in during that time, um, I took some business courses. Of course, um, I started a business. It's my first business. And I've been an entrepreneur ever since. I mean, during that time, too, I was really, you know, I was thinking about family a lot, about uh, being a father and being a husband, which is odd because, I mean, those are the time. Well, I, I was kicking it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I was out of control. We are in the gym here, brother. <laughs> hey. I was out of control. But I knew, I knew, like, I wanted to be a father and a husband. I knew that. And, you know, and I think it has something to do with just growing up as an only child, not really having a relationship with my dad. Um, and so I really started directing my life, you know, toward being a father and a husband. You know, I wasn't looking for a wife, but I just wanted to be prepared when I found her. And so I reached out to my dad. Hmm. It's the first thing I did. Before we go into that part, so you came to Atlanta with your moms. It's just you two. Did you have questions like, yo, where's dad? Or, yeah, or yeah. was it like a sparse, sparse relationship between you two? Nah, man. It was it was it was interesting because he didn't want us to leave. My dad. Michigan. Yeah, he didn't want us to leave Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um and he didn't even know we were leaving. Now, this is something that I found out later on. Mm. He didn't know. He found out the day that we were leaving, um, that we were leaving. So my mom didn't tell him. She's just like, I'm out. So they, like, just split, divorce type of thing, split? They were never married. So, oh, yeah, wow, okay. So they they dated in high school, um, and, and she got pregnant. My mom got pregnant when she was she was 16. So, no, she was 17. And so, um, yeah, so she was still in high school when she had me. Um, And so, you know, they were kids, man. They were kids. They didn't really know anything about life. Nothing, you know. I'm I'm looking at where I was when I was 17, 18. You know, I can't imagine being a father, you know, or parent or, you know, at that age, I was stupid. So, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so that, that was a situation. So they were never married. Uh, they were kids. And, um, you know, we stayed there for, yeah, I moved, we moved when I was seven. Um, so they tried to work it out and keep a relationship and it just, you know, it just wasn't working out. My dad was, you know, attractive dude, you know what I mean? Athletic, fit. You know, good fam. You know what I'm saying? He was like, he was like Flint's most wanted bachelor. You know what I'm saying? Most eligible bachelor. And he, so he was, he was out there doing his thing too. Um, and my mom was hurt by it, but she, she also saw opportunity in Atlanta, and a lot of people did during that time. The the early mid '80s. It's a lot of people moving down to Atlanta from the north. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that's why now it's like you you can hardly meet somebody that's from Atlanta. That started right. in the eighties. Really? Yeah, that started in the eighties. It was just a flood of people moving down here. Um, so I did have questions, man, because he was he was really active. When I went to Flint, I would spend time with him, but it's like over time it started getting more and more scarce. You know, I would hear from him less and less, and. Or he would say he would, you know, do something. He was gonna do something, and he wouldn't. And you know, at that time, as a kid, you know, you excited, and uh, you know, it broke my heart. I think my mom saw that, and she didn't want me to be disappointed. So at, after a while, he just wasn't there. Um, I would say maybe about nine. It was nine to ten. I was, you know, I just didn't hear from him. Maybe like once a year for my birthday, something like that. Um, and then after that, it was like. I wouldn't hear from him at all, and I didn't. I didn't understand why. So I had questions. So, 
with him not being there and like basically ghosting at that moment, the questions you had to mom, they were very easy, I'm sure, for you to ask like, yo, where is this guy? Yeah, you know, why? You know, like, why don't I hear from him, you know? And what were the answers you were given at times? You know, it was, a lot of times it was really vague. You know, I think, you know, my mom was like, you know, it's just something that you won't understand until later. Um, She reassured me that there was love, you know, that my family loved me, that she loved me, that, you know, that, that I would be okay. You know, um, yeah, you know, there were times when she would talk bad about him, you know, because, and I, and I can see why if you're mad at somebody, you know, for disappointing your child and, you know, some mother, um, she was very protective, you know, overprotective at times. And, uh, so yeah, man, I, I got a lot of that, but I wasn't, I don't think I ever felt like unwanted, you know? Like, I never had that feeling, like, he didn't want to be around me, which is odd, considering, you know, um, I just didn't, it just never made sense to me, so I stopped trying to figure it out, and after a while, I was like, I just really don't even care, uh, if he wanted to be a part of my life, then he would be a part of my life, that's his, it's his problem, it's his loss, it's, I'm, I'm do me. And I changed my last name. Really? I changed my last <laughs> Woo, boy. People don't know this. Uh, yeah, man. I, I originally had my father's last name. And I, I decided that I was going to change it. I was in the fourth grade. Something like that. Yeah, I think I was in the fourth grade. And I came home and I was like, my, I, I decided I'm going to change my last name to your last name, to Paxton. And she was, like, shocked, of course, you know. And she asked me why. She asked me if I was sure. She asked me if that's really what I wanted to do. And it just made sense to me. It was logical. And <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, at a, at nine years old. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, Dude, you were far ahead of your time at that time. Jeez, to think to change your last name. Yeah. So. so when you gave her that, the reason you gave her, what was her? She just wanted to make sure that that's really what I wanted to do. And it was my decision and not because I was being influenced, you know, by her or anybody else. And, you know, I was, I was sure that that's what I wanted to do. Did she try to talk you out of it? She never tried to talk me out of it. You know, but she did, you know, interrogate me. (laughs) She did interrogate me just to, just to be sure. And so uh, she honored my request, and I changed my last name on all my school records. See, at that time, I didn't, I'm, I'm nine. So I'm like, I can just do whatever I, you know what I'm saying? If I want to change my name. <laughs> I didn't realize there was a legal process involved. Uh, I didn't find that out until I graduated from high school. And uh, I had to I had to legally change my last name. Um and so it would, that and that kicked up all kinds of you know hurt feelings and drama and um, because my my father's side of the family they didn't know that I was going by Paxton mm. until I sent out my graduation invitations and <laughs> and um, so one of the things you have to do when you change your last name is you have to uh, you have to publish it in a newspaper in a local newspaper in the town that you were born in. Oh, wow. And so it has to be in the newspaper, um, like an announcement. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah, that has to run for like three weeks. And so that, those were, you know, I took that step and that's how my family found out. So when you sent them the invitation, who's this? The one pack? I don't know this brother. <laughs> right. Wow. So when your father found out, he was hurt, man. How did he find out? He found out the same way. I mean, Whoa. you know, because I, I sent him an invitation. Now, I've been going by Paxton since I was nine. So, essentially nine years. 
it's normal for me. This is how I'm known. This is how I identify with my own self. I didn't even think about the impact it would have on him or my family because I never talked to him about it. And um, he was he was hurt, man. He was really hurt. And it shocked me because I, I never considered his feelings, you know. Um, yeah, it really shocked me. And we we talked about it briefly, not even like it wasn't even a real conversation. It was more like, you know, um, he was just telling me how hurt he was, but it it didn't register. I mean, for me, I was like, well, I'm sorry that you hurt. You know what I'm saying? But you. I was hurt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was hurt. Like, you wasn't there. This is just a name. Like, I never felt your presence. You know, you my dad. And I don't even know who you are, and you barely know who I am. And, you know, like, that's real pain. So, you being upset about me changing my name is not really all that important to me. You know, like, it, it's not it's not the kind of deep-seated pain that I had to endure. And so... That's me at 18. So I, I have a little more um, sense, you know. Um, but, that, you know, those were some difficult conversations. My grandmother, she's the sweetest lady in the world, man. Um, she's the sweetest lady in the world, my, my father's mother. And uh, she still, to this day, she's like, well, you still a Cheney. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what you say. You still a shady, and so uh, and I'm like, yeah, you right, grandma. You right, and so, but I, you know, it, it hurt her. Now I think that that actually impacted me more than my father being hurt, like my grandmother being hurt, mm. because she's always been there, and like I said, she's like. If you don't like my grandmother, something is wrong with you. She's one of those people. She she's so sweet. Uh, she just had a birthday too. In April. Happy birthday, Grandma! Yeah, yeah. Um, I love her dearly, you know. But um, and I love my dad. Like we we're good now. Me and my dad. Now, now. let's connect it. Yeah. So now you so now you're thinking about getting about family life now. You know, after running in college and running the streets. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. My man. Did my thing. Oh, um, <laughs> um, Georgia drill team. <laughs> I did not say that. So <laughs> now you, you decide to do this and you reach out to your dad. Why did you do that and what was that conversation like? So I had, um, I'm a writer. I've been writing since. So I, I had been journaling like every day and every night. And I had began journaling about, um, in a way to speak to my children. So I'm like, I'm journaling my life when I'm thinking about, you know, because I want them to one day pick up this journal when I'm not here anymore or whenever and and have some information that's going to help them. And so that's how I'm journaling every day. And I realized that there's some things that maybe I might have missed, you know, not having my father around. And uh, and then the father figures that I, the the father figures I had that's a whole nother can of worms. Oh, we gonna go into that one? Yeah, we go. It's a whole nother can of worms. But um, so I was like, yo, imagining and visualizing my life with a family and with children, and you know, say I have a son. I want I want my children to know their family. I want them to know. Their grandparents, you know, my grandma is their grandfather, my dad, and have a relationship and at least know something about them. And I was like, and I may have missed something. Like there may have been something that that was that I needed to pick up for me to be like this great dad that I want to be, that I'm visualizing myself to be. <clears throat> and so I was like, you know what, I need to, I need to fix this. And so I called him. And, you know, he picked up and man, we talked for hours that night. We talked for hours. It was, it was one of the best 
moments in my life reconnecting with him and he apologized and you know I, I could tell it was sincere and genuine and you know he told me some things that I just I didn't know um you know um about my mother's relation you know their relationship and you know just some really sensitive things you know he told me his side because I had only heard it from one, one side. side yep you know and so I heard that other side and you know it made sense to me and I could tell he was he was telling me the truth and um you know that was that that was kind of devastating to me in a way you know um and in the relationship that I had with my mother and so yeah cuz I was conflicted yeah I was really conflicted I was really conflicted and so now I'm digging up dirt you know and so now I'm like well I just I talked to my dad I just confronted him you know, and I got to confront my mother about, you know, the stuff that he's telling me. And and I did. And, you know, a lot of it was confirmed. And I was just, like, confused. So all this time I'm spending really trying to get to know myself so that I could be more prepared to be a greater father. And what's happening is I am I am finding out, like, the truth behind the relationships with my parents and in our relationship and like what, what was really going on. And, um, you know, you know, it's, it's, I know there are a lot of single mothers out there who raise their children and who have their best interest and they love them and all that stuff. But yo, if you are keeping your kids away from their father, that is tough stuff. You know what I'm saying? If you are, if you are actively blocking that relationship, like that is really messed up, and it has long-term effects. And so, um, you know, those are some of the things that I had to deal with, you know, and having to deal with. Right. When you went to your mother with it, did it change the dynamic of the relationship between you and your mother? Well, I'll say it. It. Uh, we were on a particular trajectory already, you know, which is why I could believe it when he told when my dad told me. Because I was, I started seeing things. Um, I started seeing things that that I didn't see before as a kid, you know, just between the two of us. That was before I even talked to him. And when he told me, I was like, "Yo, that, yeah, yes, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense." So there was already some kind of, you know, some static between the two of us. Um, so it didn't. I don't think it. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, I was, I like to think that it didn't, but it did, you know what I mean? I like to say that it didn't, but it did, it did, because then that, there's a trust thing that's there, right? And now it's like, okay, I, it, I really can't trust you, you know? Um, or, or even, you know, that was my thing, but even if it's like a question of trust, like, can I trust you? Are you telling me the truth? You know? And so, yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, that's that's a complicated sort of place um, for anybody to be in, in particular, you know, a child. And like I said, they were kids. You know, these were, they were very young people. So I can see, you know, being vindictive, you know, as being an option when you're a teenager and you have all this weight on you and like you're trying to figure out what to do and you by yourself. So in a way I can kind of see, you know, but then I'm, you know, you got kids in the mix, you know, but when you're a kid, your, your judgment is off. You know, so it's just it's so much. But I I feel like it's so important to have a complete as complete as you possibly can um, purview of what what's what was going on, you know, with your parents, why things didn't work out, why certain decisions were made, you know, uh, and just the honest kind of conversation. And it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint when your child is ready for that. 
and, and I guess you just gotta have to play it by ear. But you know, I was determined. I'm like, yo, I'm not gonna be a teenage parent. I'm not gonna be a parent until I'm ready. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm not about to do this crazy bitch just because I'm not ready. Because um, I want my child to have a a a good upbringing, quality upbringing. So there it is. When you talk to dad, you mentioned him about I want to be a dad. What's dad's response to that? He was shocked. You know, he was kind of blown away. Oh, so he didn't give you, oh, you're too young, nothing like that. No, 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 no. No, he didn't give me that. I mean, because he knew I wouldn't. I wasn't trying to have kids right then. You know, um, I was in college. I was trying to finish. I was finishing. Fresh off probation, folks. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. And so, you know, he he knew he knew what I what I was trying to do you know but he listened and that was the main thing you know he listened he didn't judge me he didn't critique me he didn't try to sway me one way or the other you know he gave me what I asked him for which was some reassurance some wisdom you know truth um he he gave me my dad you know, gave mm, so, me my dad. Wow. Yeah, and you know, I mean, he he even said he was like, I've been I've been waiting for this day. You know, and and so and I I you know we we visited, um, we spent time together, cause he was in uh, during this time he was in Kentucky, I was in Tennessee, he's one state over. You know, um, so we we saw each other, we spent some time together, we you know you know we talked on the phone. It, it was it was good. It was really good. What was that like when you two finally met after all those years? What was that like? Well, it, he he came to my high school graduation, so I had saw him, you know, during my high school graduation. Um, but of course, it was like static. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was static. My mom wasn't happy about him being there, and it was like trying to keep me away. You know, still that whole thing, and uh, so it, it just wasn't good. Um, but just to have a quality time, um, it was it was really hmm, it was healing, um, and it it made me feel closer to my goal of of really understanding what it meant to be like a good father, right? Um, you know, and and then he has I have stepbrothers, so you know he got he got married. Um, they have two boys and um his his wife diane my stepmother she had a son prior to them getting together so i essentially have three brothers and a sister (laughs) i didn't know i had a sister (laughs) i didn't know i had a sister until i was i was in college around the same time as a matter of fact um yeah uh, this this young lady called me and was like, I think you're my brother. She just found out that um, that her, that her father was not her biological father, but my dad was. She just found out. Wow. Yeah, and so she got my information from one of my uh, aunts in Flint. She was in Flint, and she called me, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? So this is her, right? I know y'all can't see. I can. But that's her, Chantel. She is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's my sister, which is important to know right. who your family is. Right. Because I probably would have shot a high. <laughs> You'd have shot the shot. <laughs> I would have shot that shot. Because <laughs> she's she's gorgeous, right. you know. Yeah. Um, and so so yeah, man. So then we we start building a relationship, you know, and I just I. I don't know. It became clear to me how complicated life is, you know, and, and everything's not so black and white. And that's probably helped me, you know, <laughs> a whole lot in being a husband and a father. Um, just knowing that things are just not it's not black and white. You know, you have to work in that gray area a lot. That's kind of hard at times, brother. It is because it's unknown. Yeah. You know, that's a un- that's the unknown space. That's uh you don't know how it's going to work out. You just hope that it does, you know, and you do your best. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you shoot for that. Now let's 
push it forward. Now we can definitely keep moving forward, folks. We still in this. We still in the gym here. That's just that was round two <laughs> oh, of the sparring session. So here we are in round three of the sparring session. Here, grown man, college, finished that. Now entering adulthood. We're getting into meeting ladies, and then now here it is. I'm pregnant. Dewan Paxson. What goes through your head when you hear that? I was so excited. I was so excited. So, because I did everything the way that I, you know, I, I, I met my son's mother. We were still in school. Um, I finished. We got married. And then she, you know, she was pregnant. And I was like... Yo, this is like, this is exactly what I've been preparing for. You know what I'm saying? This is everything that I wanted. And, and so I was excited, you know, but I did have some trepidation. I had a lot of trepidation. I'm not going to front a lot of trepidation because, you know, financially, I just wasn't ready. Financially, I wasn't. And then I found out it was a boy. I didn't know how I was going to take care of this boy. That's what shook me. Mm, why? It shook me because I went back to there could have been something that I missed not having a father in the home. And I I don't know. I don't know if I have what he needs to be to grow into a man um, because I didn't have an, a, like a real solid example of that growing up. You know, the examples that I had was kind of, you know. Um, and so I was, I was concerned. So I started reading all kind of books. Um, I started talking to elders. Um, I talked a lot with my dad, um, just trying to consume as much information as just soak in as much as I could. So, um, he was, I was ready for when he came and, and that's what I did. And then, um, but I was never really satisfied. <laughs> and then he came and, uh, bouncing baby boy. Man, oh man. Bouncing baby boy. So, Dad Paxton. Dad Paxton. So, put me in your mindset in the hospital. Just this freshly baked baby come out the oven and is now in your arms. Put me on to what is in your head now. I almost dropped him. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Well, there went the family matters moment. Okay. Because it was it was wild, you know. Um, because the whole time his mom was pregnant, you know, he's kicking, he's in, you know, he's moving around, we getting to know each other, we doing math problems, you know, he's a math whiz in the womb. And um it was it was cool. So she she goes into labor and uh we we were we were actually at, at my mom's that night, um, just in case. And uh, he went. Into, she went into labor that morning. I think it was like four a.m. And her water broke, and we rushed to the hospital. We in the hospital, and you know, um, so he was he was born. He came. I watched the whole thing. I watched the man. I tell you, it's like one of the most <laughs> terrifying things you can ever witness. I mean, like all the horror movies with all the gore and everything. It ain't got nothing on watching a person come out of another person you know it's uh it's crazy and uh they cleaned him off he came out he's healthy he's good cleaned him off handed him to me his eyes was closed the whole time and uh they put him in my arms and i'm i'm holding him and he opened his eyes for the first time and when he opened his eyes he looked right dead into my eyes i mean he looked around it wasn't like he looked right into my eyes as soon as he opened them, and I almost dropped them. <laughs> it man, it, it was uh, I'll never forget that moment. Not ever, not ever will I forget that moment. Um, yeah, I, I knew instantly that that we were connected, and I was gonna always be there, and I just wanted to give him everything <laughs> i just wanted to i don't know it's, it's a different kind of i mean it's it's like love on a hundred you know it's like you love somebody and you you want to be with him all the time and that kind of thing but i just i wanted to give him everything in me and um it it, it was like it, everything just clicked in the place i knew what to do even though i had never been a parent before um 
I just I just knew I just knew what to do. You know, I knew when he was hungry. I knew how to change him. I knew like yeah, man. I was like super dad, <laughs> and it was you know it was it was a great feeling because I had been preparing for that all those years, and I and I doubted if I if I had it, and uh, and it showed me that I did like those those moments those early days and weeks and months like it showed me that yeah you got this man you got it you got it yeah yeah um he taught me so much man he's still teaching me so he just taught me how to fold shirts in the military style like in a ball (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's still teaching me stuff uh and you know he he's the reason why i got into acting so yeah man um yeah, it's 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 a magical thing. Fatherhood is is a magical thing. And his birthday is is Friday. He was born on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day. Yeah. His birthday is Friday. He'll be 15. Teens. Oh man. Ready? 15. Here we are, man. Here we are. I know, man. I want to know for that when did it become that Oh, I'm a dad. Like, did you have that moment, or it was like, oh, I'm a dad. I'm, I I knew this from jump, but did you have that? Like, I'm a, I'm I'm a dad. It comes in waves, though. Hmm. It comes in waves. It's like you had a moment. I'm a dad, and it's real surface. And then you have another moment. It was like, oh, bitch. <laughs> what? So when did that? When did the second wave hit you? When? Did, yeah, yeah. Oh man, when did that? Hit? When did that hit? I think that hit when he came home. I think yeah. I think when he came home and uh, he was in the house and he wouldn't stop crying, I was trying to sleep. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I almost kicked him out the bed. You know, <laughs> it's like he had those moments too. Um, but no, man, it's, it's, it's just got deeper and deeper because, you know, you, you have a lot of those moments. I, I don't think that it, it, it subsides after a while, but it's like it happens so many times. But like on a deeper level, it's like, it's hard to explain, but the, the best way I can explain it is it just comes in waves and every time it hits is deeper. You know, it's like a, another realization, you know, like this kid like relies on me for everything. Like, OK, I got to get a real job <laughs> or I'm, I'm a dad or we had a diapers already. God, I'm a dad <laughs> or he is not eating this baby food right now like what is happening you want what's on your plate yeah i'm like bro you don't even got teeth yet oh man and then he walks and then you know he's he he used to do this thing where he would um he would jump out of the crib he would escape from the crib and so I started catching him because at first you just hear a loud thud because he done jumped out the crib, climbed out. And then I would catch him and he'd just be hanging on the end of the crib, like <laughs> like hanging on. Wow. <laughs> With the kung fu grip. Oh, man, he did not like being in that crib. So, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just it's things like that. And then it, there are moments, like these magical moments where he sleep. You know, or I remember first time he said dad. He said dad before he said mom. <laughs> he said daddy. I was like, you hear that? <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, man. I, I used to I used to uh, read to him every night. And and then I would sing him to sleep. So in the showers and when I was rocking my son to sleep, it's only only when I sing. I told y'all, multifaceted. <laughs> told you. And uh, like those are moments, man. That is just those are prices. I'll never forget. I'll never forget those things, man. Now homeboy is fifteen and growing. Probably one time you and I spoke and you brought up a saying by Khalil Cabron. Children are arrows. Your own job is just to shoot them. They're not there for you as to keep. You remember that? Wow. I, of course I remember that, brother. So, bro, we have some, we've always had some deep conversations. I'm telling you, that's why I don't like talking with you a lot. Cause then, you know, it's like, man, it ends up being like that Oprah moment. So, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, when you had said that, I was just like, wow, just for you to get to that point, when did you understand, like, yo, yeah, I can only guide him, but I can't tell him what to do. I just can shoot that. When when did that become real to you? That that took a while. Um, 
that, that took a, a long while. I, I don't think that really became a thing until. Well, well, maybe you know, maybe it was in waves again. You know, I think the first time was when I dropped him off at daycare, and I had to leave him there. Did you cry? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm not gonna front. I did. I, you know, I stood right outside the door, and actually, I stayed there. I stayed at the school for like a good hour. You know, just like, just in case. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just, yeah, I stood outside the door for a while until they, it was like, okay, you can't stand here anymore. You know, and then I, I sat in the car in the in the parking lot. Um, But yeah, yeah, I, I cry, man. Um, But I, I think now more than ever is really, that concept is starting to activate, if you will. Because... As a kid, you know, he just wanted to be around me. And, like, that was when we had our time. We had our time. And, you know, I was, like, the king of everything, you know. And, um, but as he got into his teenage years, you know, he wants his own space. You know, he's doing his own thing. He has his own interests. It's, like, it's different. And so now I'm I'm really having to practice that letting go thing because we we were clinging to each other, but now he's like he's his own complete person, and and I'm having to I say I'm having to, but I get to honor that. You know, I get to honor that. I get to you know um, explore that. You know, just see who he is, and it's it's he's an interesting dude. He's a really interesting dude. We have, like, some good conversations, you know, when he talks. <laughs> but when he's not, it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. No. I. <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm like, what? Cool. Cool. I'm like, all right. All right, man. But, but those are the things, you know. Those are. So now I'm, I'm really uh, having to exercise or getting to exercise that whole let me just let go. Trust that he is, you know, recalling all the lessons, you know. And I'm, you know, we still get the lessons in. Yeah, man. So I, I think that's that's more so now, you know, maybe since like 13, yeah, 14. And when you're going into that space of crap, he doesn't really need me for this part or need that for that. Like, does that hit you like, man, boys growing up it's like that shit is great (laughs) i'm like great (laughs) yes be independent go do your thing because i got too much stuff over here to do you know um although i I, you know i really to be honest man i really want i would really like for him to be a part of like the business and what i'm doing and like and you know i'm gonna hire him um actually i've already hired him he's doing some design stuff but i just you know i I would like that but i know that's not really his path right he has his own path and he's very clear he's been very clear on what he wants to do with his future since he was little and you know he's gonna do it i I have no doubt in my mind that he's gonna accomplish his goals and he's he's gonna and i told him i was like i just want you to i just want you to go just go like as far as you can go like go so far <laughs> that we're like oh my god you know where is Khalil? i don't know china somewhere i don't know he's i don't know he's on the moon he's doing you know what i'm saying <laughs> like he's doing some great stuff um because I, I just i i want that for him man i just i want him to see what he's made of and the only way it's gonna happen is if i back up and let him do that <clears throat> and sometimes that's tough you know, because you don't, you know, I, I don't want to see him make mistakes and get hurt and, you know, all that stuff bump his head. But he's got to. He got to. When is that hard for you as a dad to, I got to let you hit your head. I have to let you scrape your knees a little. How hard is that to have that balance? It's, it's extremely difficult, man. It's really difficult. But, you know, you start out little by little. Like, I would, I would let him fall and scrape his knee. And I didn't realize that it was more practice for me than it was for him. You know, just to see, okay, well, this is just what happens when you're learning. You know, I remember I bought him this scooter, uh, this little, you know, the little scooters. And bought him one of those. And uh, he was, what? no, he was like six. Yeah, he was younger, six. And he was riding the scooter. And he kept, he couldn't figure it out. He kept falling 
off the scooter. He couldn't keep the balance because there's only two wheels. And I was his first, like, bike or anything with two wheels. And he kept falling. And he would cry. And I just sent him back outside. Until you figure it out, you're going to figure it out, you know. But you're going to fall a few times, you know. And that was more of a practice for me. So, like, at this stage, I'm, like, going out there. You know, spread your wings. Just do your best. And then and there's there's something valuable about knowing that it's okay to make mistakes. That's not something I grew up with. And so, but now it's something I'm learning now. I've had to learn, especially doing what I do. You know, you have to have a safe place to mess up, to make mistakes, to learn in that way. And so, um, yeah, I'm just kind of pushing him to do that. But it's, it never gets easy. It's just, it's just a practice. It's like doing taxes. No one likes doing that shit. You do it every year because <laughs> you got to. I don't like seeing him fail. I want I want to see him succeed. And, and the thing about it is, like, this dude is so talented, man. It's like he he succeeds at everything. He tried out for the track team and made it. Shocked himself. He's never even ran track. Went to the track meet. First track meet, he's running hurdles. He gets first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of the second track meet, he got fourth, you know. So he he was disappointed about that, but I'm like, yo, but you know you can do it, you know. He's uh, he was scared to try out for the basketball team, so he didn't try out. <laughs> Which is like that's one thing that I just want to strangle him about, you know, because sometimes he'll he'll let his fear keep him from doing things, and so uh, he didn't try out for the basketball team. He he had just transferred schools. And so he wasn't really comfortable with the championship basketball team. And so he wasn't comfortable trying out. But he, he has a natural talent. But this is what he did do. He began watching YouTube videos and going outside and learning the moves. So every day he's spending like an hour playing basketball, like doing the moves that he's seeing like the pros do. And now he's a beast. He's a beast. He's self-taught. He's never been on a team. He's never had a coach. He's never had any real training. And he's a beast. Like, his three-point game is sick. His handles is crazy. He got crazy handles. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, man. So he's going to basketball camp this summer. I'm like, you get training, you're going to be unstoppable. And so it shocked me because I didn't think, that he had the drive, to be honest with you. But he he took the initiative and taught himself how to play basketball. Because I'm not a ball player. I mean, I played when I was in when I was little, and my defense is is nasty. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't get around me. But uh, and so that's how we play. Um, but he's like, yo, his form is everything. So I'm like, dude. But he did it on his own, you know. And so we go to the park and we play with some kids, and you know he get that working but i'm like man so i'm after this summer after he goes to this basketball camp it's just gonna be crazy but that's like i think i feel like that's the result of allowing him to make mistakes make his own decisions you know and figure out a way around like problem solve his own issues and yeah i'm proud of him back a little when you were talking about with when you didn't have pops around but you had other male figures and they would put stuff into you so how important was that to have those men in your life whether good bad or indifferent that they would instill some stuff you're like the hell are you talking about to oh man that's deep so how important was that for you you know it was critical it, it was critical um i i would say that in in spite of the the ambiguity of their intentions you know, um, I still, I was able to gather the things that I needed, you know, from watching them. Um, the situations I can't talk about on air, you know what I mean? Um, it, 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 yeah, it's a whole crazy thing. But, um, but all in all, you know, these were pretty solid examples of fathers. Yeah, I, I can put it like that. But yeah, it was critical, man. I needed, I needed, what you know, I needed to see something. And my uncle's they were really good examples. My uncle Gary, um, who he transitioned, um, but he was a he was a Marine during Vietnam. And uh, man, Gary was the man. 
everybody respect him, even now to this day. And so he taught me a lot about manhood, a lot about responsibility, you know, that kind of thing. You know, he taught me a lot. And so I keep that with me. You know, he made a lot of mistakes, too. And I I, I saw I saw a lot of those mistakes. Um, but I saw his heart before anything else, you know. And my Uncle Nate, same way. Excellent father. Excellent father. Um, great husband. And uh, he's, he's always been there for me. And then, you know, there's some other, other people outside the family who were there who kind of showed me some things, too. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, it was critical, man. I think I think any boy needs some type of example, you know, and, and you just it's, it needs you know you do the best you can, <laughs> you yes. know, because yeah. ain't nobody perfect. But you you take what you can, you know, and then you, you throw away the rest. Whatever serves you, you keep that, and everything else you just toss it. I don't have to be who you are. Well, as we're closing out this sparring session, this is round like eight. Uh, Mr. Paxson, what would you say your journey of fatherhood has been for you so far? Entering into a a another round of fatherhood, um, so like we're expanding soon, and so um, so that's that's where I'm at now, and I'm super excited, super excited about Congratulations. that. Congratulations, man! Thanks, man. Um, my my journey of fatherhood started a long time ago. I think I think every father's uh, journey starts when they're a boy, and uh, and so yeah, my my journey has been. It started since I was observing my father, you know, all the way up until you know he wasn't there, and I had other men there that I was observing, um, and something happened, and it was like just be prepared. You know, this is what you want. I wanted, I wanted a family early, and so I, I appreciate my journey, man. Is is as much pain as I like endured and went through as a kid, like in this whole thing. Like I wouldn't change it, to be honest with you. Um, I like who I am. I like the father that I am. You know, I mean, there's some things that I would, I would change. I would tweak a little bit, but all in all, man, this has been a dope ass journey. You know, and my son is is benefiting from that, and you know my future children they're gonna benefit from that too. You know, my wife is benefiting from that. Um, I am. I'm benefiting from it, and everybody that I come in contact with. So you know, I I I just I I will embrace everything. I I embrace the whole thing, man. I embrace the whole thing. I don't think I'll be the storyteller that I am today had it not been for those experiences. So, Mr. Paxton, if there's any last words you want to say, I guess yours, sir. Uh, I think that was it, man. I think I think that was it. Just I would say, you know, um, love on your children, fathers, mothers. Make room for your children's fathers in their lives. Just make room, and you don't even have to make room. Just Get out the motherfucking way. No, I'm <laughs> if, if that be the case, you know, otherwise, man, I, I say just try to enjoy every aspect of of this position as a father. Um, cherish it, you know, especially new fathers. Like in the blink of an eye, your kid is walking across the stage and about to go off to college and get married and then have kids. You know what I'm saying? It's like it happens like that. So cherish it and cherish cherish yourself as a father well ladies and gentlemen there it is and that thank you brother thank you for taking some time out to really chill with me and and really just spit from your heart man and brother i'm just telling you you have been one incredible dude and i have never told you this but i admire you as the man that you are and as the fathers you are, you've always bragged about your son. And, you know, just always, as I said earlier, you always doted on him. And I respect you and I honor you for that, brother. And when I've, when I've seen you do that, it made me understand, like, man, black fathers like this do exist. And not just black, white, Asian, Latino, no matter, fathers like this do exist. No matter what the media tried to print us out as. 
you know what i'm saying so brother i give you so much love man for that let the people know how can they reach you man oh man yo if after hearing all of that if y'all still want to reach me <laughs> you're gonna want to trust me uh you can hit me up on um on ig at daps world uh d-a-p-s d's and dora is and apple p is and paul essence and sam world and uh, Daps World Studios on IG. It's probably the best two ways to hit me up. Or you can go to the website, dapsworldstudios.com. Say that one more time. Dapsworldstudios.com. All right, folks, there you have it. You got it. As I'm always letting you know, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the podcast. As always, man, go and tell a friend of a friend of a friend and someone else who ain't listening, let them know. Keeping the Towel is on Spotify. It's on Anchor.fm. It's also on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Go ahead and do that. Remember what I always tell you. Wipe the blood, wipe the sweat, wipe the tears. But whatever you do, don't throw in your towel. This is your man, Aunt Boogie. I'll check you when I check you. I'll see you when I see you. I'm gone. Peace.